Welcome to Mark Connor's podcast. For more information, visit markconnor.com.au. Well, hi, everyone, and Happy New Year. Can you believe it? We're at the beginning of a brand new year. I hope you had a, a really enjoyable Christmas season with family and friends. It was a good time of celebration and a meaningful time for you. And as we begin the new year, I really pray it's going to be a, a, an excellent year for you. You know, my prayer for you for, uh, as a community here at Bayside, for every one of you watching today, is that you won't just survive this year, but you will thrive. I love that word thrive. It means to, to, to bloom, to flourish, to prosper, to grow, to increase. And uh, you know, thriving is marked by a sense of vitality and excitement, uh, a sense of joy and enjoyment, uh, a burst of energy, strength and resilience uh, you know, through the inevitable challenges and pressures that come with every new year uh, and an increasing passion and enthusiasm. That's my prayer for you, that you will thrive in the new year. And uh, I've got a couple of messages planned this year for Bayside and uh, we're going to be sharing a little bit around this theme of thriving in every area of our life. Uh, coming up is a little bit of a diagram and you know, life is a bit of an ecosystem. There, there are many ingredients and many parts and they all contribute to the health of the whole and the whole contributes to each part. Everything belongs, everything is connected. And we're gonna be looking at five vital relationships in some of my messages this year. You and God, that's really important. You and your calling. Uh, you and yourself, <laughs> you know, you and how you relate to yourself is very, very important. You and other people, let's face it, life is about people and how we get along with them. And then you and your work, your contribution, your, your vocation. And so all of these ingredients are part of this ecosystem. If we're going to thrive in life, then each one of these needs some attention. And so today we're going to start with you and God. You and God, you know, everyone's spiritual journey uh, with God begins with something called awareness. I love this word, awareness. This is where we begin our journey of faith and uh, we, we discover or recognize that there is someone bigger than us, that there is the divine, there is a God. And, you know, for some, this occurs in childhood. When we're very young, we have a sense of, of God. Uh, for others, it happens a little later in life. Uh, there are various factors that uh, feed into this sense of awareness of God. Uh, it can be a sense of awe. Maybe just looking at a sunset or a newborn baby or maybe an answered prayer. God, if you're there, uh, or, or a miraculous experience. Sometimes they're contributing factors to the sense of awareness or, or a search for meaning. Just what, what is life all about? Uh, for others, it's a sense of need in their lives. You know, sometimes when you're on the bottom, <laughs> uh, you tend to look up and often our pain can serve a purpose in, in helping us to find and experience God. We're often open to God during times of pain. Also times of transition, you know, I describe transition as a little bit like letting go of one trapeze and you haven't quite got the other trapeze. That's a little scary, but sometimes in those liminal spaces, we also find and encounter God. And so what about you? How is your awareness of God and how has that unfolded in your life so far? You know, for me, I grew up in a, in a Christian family. Um, I'm a PK, a preacher's kid, and went, went to church from a very young age and apparently made a bit of a commitment uh, to follow Jesus in Sunday school somewhere. But, you know, for me, it was in my late teens where I really uh, experienced an awareness of God for myself. I've uh, been in lots of church meetings, lots of youth camps, but I took a three-day fast and uh, not much happened for the first three days, but in the afternoon of that third day, I was just opening my Bible, flipping through some pages, landed in 1 Samuel 3 
And I had this flurry of thoughts of God speaking to me. And just like Samuel telling me that uh, he was speaking to me all the time, but I hadn't learned to recognize his voice. And uh, I started journaling and writing some things down. It was one of my first personal encounters with God. And it dramatically changed my life. You know, the truth is we don't lack God's presence. Uh, God is everywhere at all times. What we lack is awareness. Awareness. You might have heard of the story of Jacob. Uh, he was in a desert place, a dry place. He went to sleep. And during his sleep, he had a dream of this opening between heaven and earth, this kind of parallel universe. And there's uh, these angels moving back and forth. And he wakes up and he says, God is in this place. And I wasn't aware of it. And so, so what turns a desert dry place into a holy, sacred place? Uh, it's awareness. It, it's waking up to the presence of God. And so, so God is with us all the time. Whether we feel God or not, God is with us. Uh, so, a simple illustration. I, I brought uh, some garden gloves. They're a little bit dirty. But in many ways, I think that this glove is a little bit like the universe, the material universe. We can see it. We can touch it. We can feel it. And I wonder whether God's presence is a little bit like my hand in this glove. You know, you'll notice that my hand is everywhere in this glove. But not only is it everywhere, it's also hidden. You can't see my hand. And I think in many ways we live in a world where God is everywhere. He is present. It's the omnipresence of God. God's active. God's moving. God's everywhere. But God is also hidden. That's the dimension of faith. We don't always see God, but God is everywhere. Now, we're not saying God is the glove. That's pantheism. People who say the rock, that's God. The tree, that's God. But something called panentheism. Panentheism, which means God is in everything. Uh, Paul put it this way, in him we live and move and have our being. So there's no way you can go where God isn't. And so trusting in the, the presence of God, but realizing that there is also a hiddenness of God. We don't always seal, we don't always see God directly. There's this faith, but through awareness we can uh, recognize that God is there and he is active in our lives. You know, for some people, this awareness of God can be like a conversion experience. And for some people, it's a very identifiable experience, a moment in time where everything changes. For others, this awareness of God is a gradual realization that takes place over a period of time. And you couldn't really say when and where it happened. We kind of simply know we're aware that God is there. In many ways, conversion is a little bit like waking up. You know, maybe this morning you woke up with an alarm clock. I did this morning. And uh, sometimes we have an alarm clock conversion where we're asleep and bang, suddenly we're awake. You know, the Apostle Paul on the road to Damascus, he was persecuting Christians and, and Jesus. And then Jesus appeared to him. He had an encounter with Jesus. And in a moment, the trajectory of his life was changed. I wonder if you had an alarm clock conversion, a specific moment in time where God became real to you. You know, other mornings I don't set my alarm. <laughs> Maybe you had a morning like that today where you kind of just find yourself awake. Maybe you go back to sleep. Maybe you then wake up again and you couldn't tell exactly when you woke up. You just knew you were now awake. You know, some people's journey with God, their awareness of God is a little bit like that. They couldn't tell you when or where or exactly what happened. They just found themselves awake to the reality of God. And so I wonder when you first became aware of God. And I wonder what your conversion story is like. This becomes very foundational. In fact, there's another diagram coming up now. Uh, all of us uh, potentially have a life before Christ. 
and then a moment or a season where we encounter Jesus and then our life after that experience. It's interesting to think of your journey, your story as before knowing God, experiencing God, and then what's different since. And, and that becomes a foundational narrative for our lives. You know, the Apostle Paul, in the book of Acts, three times he tells his story. My life used to be like this. I was persecuting Christians. I was doing this. And then I encountered Jesus. And then since then, this has been my mission. Three different times he tells this story. I think it's really helpful for you and I, even if you grew up in church, just to think about what was life like before I was aware of God? How did I become aware of God? And what's different for me now? This is that foundational faith story for each of us. Of course, believing in the reality of God, experiencing God is one thing, but, but who is God and what is God like for you? In fact, an interesting question to ask yourself is what does God think of you right now? What do you think God thinks of you right now? I've discovered a lot of people, even people who have grown up in church, aren't sure or they're wondering whether God may not be really pleased with them. Uh, you know, I love the story of Jesus' baptism. Uh, it's, it's in three of the Gospels, Matthew, uh, Mark, and Luke. And uh, in Mark 1, verse 9 to 11, it, it goes like this. At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee. He was baptized by John in the Jordan. Just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw the heaven being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven. You are my son. Whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. You've probably heard this story before, but I think it's so profound. Uh, here's Jesus. He's beginning his ministry. He hasn't yet preached a sermon. He hasn't healed anyone that we know of. He hasn't raised up any disciples. He hasn't died on the cross. He hasn't done any leadership training. He hasn't done any ministry at all. And yet as he comes up out of the waters of baptism, the Father bursts out of heaven, as it were, and says, you are my son, whom I love, and I am so pleased with you. Notice that the Father's love, the Father's pleasure for Jesus was not based on what he was doing. It was totally based on who he was, his son. Again, this became a foundational narrative for the life of Jesus. I've shared with you before my experience becoming a father, how I knew in my head that God loved me. But when I, we had our first child, a little redhead boy named Josiah, you know, I was holding him and thinking about how much I loved him. And I realized my love for him wasn't based on his performance. He hadn't done anything yet. It was based on the fact that he was my child. You, you know, we grew up in a culture that's based on achievement and something called performance management. And uh, every one of us experiences what we could call the grandstand effect. There's <laughs> a picture coming up on your screen right now. The grandstand effect. What's that? Well, from a very young age, we have people watching us and responding to our choices and actions from the grandstand, as it were. If we do something that people like, they cheer us on. <laughs> if we do something that they dislike, they frown on us or they may even boo us as we're on the field of our life. You know, over time, it's very easy to learn to play to the grandstand. You know, we all thrive on applause. And so we can live to please people if we're not careful. No, no one likes disapproval. And so we try not to disappoint everybody. And so we can end up living our life on the playing field of our world, playing to the grandstand, wanting their approval and doing anything to avoid their disapproval. The danger with this is we can become addicted to the approval 
of others. And then when we need to make a choice that others may not approve of, we often lack the courage to do what we know is right. You know, part of spiritual maturity is to gradually empty the grandstand. Uh, parents, teachers, other people, even leaders, they're important people in our life. And it's good to have them on the field as coaches and advisors, but we must not live for anyone else's approval. And so we need to gradually empty the grandstand, bring them down, have them in our life. The only person we want in the grandstand is God so that we live for the audience of one, as it were. Don't live your life <clears throat> dependent on the approval of others. Yes, have advisors and coaches and guides, but live for God's approval alone. And the great news is God loves you just as you are. And if we're going to thrive in this new year, it starts with this core part of our life's ecosystem, you and God, to realize you are loved by God. I love this quote by Brennan Manning. He was a Catholic theologian and author of the excellent book, The Ragamuffin Gospel. He says this, define yourself radically as one beloved by God. This is the true self. Every other identity is illusion. God's love for you and his choice of you constitute your worth. Accept that and let it become the most important thing in your life. What a beautiful statement. If you and I could get up every morning and see ourselves as the beloved of God, to hear those words just as Jesus did, as we get up in the morning to hear those words, you are my son, you are my daughter. I love you and I'm pleased with you. God's love for you, God's pleasure over you is not based on how well you're doing. It's based on the fact that you are his child. You know, theologically, there are two different ways to live. And New Testament theologian Gordon Fee puts it this way. I've got a, a diagram coming up now. You know, the, the old covenant was very much do and live. <laughs> if you do the right thing, then you'll live. And so we, we seek to obey all the commandments in order to be loved, accepted, approved and valued by God. The new covenant flips that on its head and it's about live and do. Because you are already loved, because you're already accepted, because you already have a sense of identity and belonging, because you already have this, now seek to do the right thing to please God. And so obedience is important, but notice we don't do to live, we live to do. In Christ, we already have love, acceptance, identity, significance, belonging, purpose, meaning, value, and worth. Uh, onto the next slide. The Old Testament is about law. It's about performance. It's about what you do. The, the new covenant is about grace. <laughs> it's about what Jesus has already done for you. And so, you know, I find even some people who are Christians, who love Jesus, often get caught up in works righteousness, seeking to do the right thing to please God, rather than realizing I'm already loved, I'm saved by grace, and because I'm a child of God, I now want to live in order to please Him. And so I seek to do the right thing, not in order to be loved, but because I already am loved and I want to please God. And so th th make this the foundation of your life. You know, I believe all of our life should be an overflow 
Because when we're thriving in our relationship with God, when that's in place, everything else is influenced that, by that reality. Uh, Matthew 10 verse 8 says, freely you have received, freely give. No, no, notice the flow here. Freely you've received, you've been loved, you've been accepted, you've been given a sense of belonging and identity. Freely you've received as your tank is full. Now freely give. You can give love. You can give acceptance. You can flow those things. But you know, if you haven't received, if you're, if you're empty, on the inside, it's pretty hard to give. And so this foundational relationship of us and God is so important. Life is an overflow of that relationship with God. And so in this first message about thriving in the new year, uh, just a quick checkup. How are you and God today? Uh, Maybe you're doing great. You and God are great. And and I'd just say, fantastic. Keep thriving in your relationship with God this year. Or, or, Or maybe if you're honest, you feel a little bit far from God. You know, I coach a lot of ministers and sometimes even ministers, even church leaders have seasons when they feel far from God. It's been a while since they've heard God's voice. This is not unusual. We, we sometimes have what we could call dry patches where God seems distant and the spiritual life can get a little routine, even a little mechanical. And so have a think about when was the last time you felt close to God? When was the last time you heard his voice? And maybe go back to that space and that place and reflect on what was happening then. Is there anything that maybe has come between you and God, as it were? Maybe it's disappointment. Maybe you're a little angry at God. Uh, Take that to God. Talk to God about your disappointment. Talk to God about that habit that's um, being a little destructive in your life right now. Talk to God about your anger. He's not going to be surprised about it. Uh, talk to God about those things you're navigating. And then think about when you have felt close to God. Uh, Are there certain practices or rituals or experiences that have been helpful in the past? Think back, when was I last sensing God's nearness? And uh, I don't know, maybe maybe it was uh, a walk in a park or some time out in nature, or maybe it was journaling. Uh, uh, You know, I have been journaling for many, many years now, and um, I don't journal every day, but I, I try to at least once a week uh, just put some thoughts down on paper. I find the benefit of journaling is your mind doesn't wander. Uh, it, it, when you're writing, uh, you can't think of someone else, something else at the same time. So it helps me to concentrate and focus. And then I have a written record of what I've written. And I often um, journal three questions. Number one, how do I feel? Um, you know, I'm a an achiever, uh, number three on the Enneagram, if you're familiar with that, I, I'm always doing something. So for me to ask myself, how do I feel? It forces me to stop and look inside and just be a little bit aware of what emotions are going on in my life. And there's usually a whole range of questions. I'm excited, I'm annoyed, I'm looking forward to, I'm frustrated, uh, but, but I just articulate, how am I feeling? I find that's really good for self-awareness. Second question I, I journal is, what do I want to say to God? And, and I'll just do some bullet points and and sometimes I've got a lot, sometimes I've just got a few things. Thank you. Uh, I'm concerned about Would you help me with? <clears throat> and then the third question is, what does God want to say to me? You know, by the time I've taken time to do one and two, I find that third question is really quite powerful. What does God want to say to me? And sometimes it's a bit of a blank, but sometimes I'll just write and write and write. And I have a, a flood of thoughts of God speaking to me by his spirit. And, you know, often when I then journal a week or so later, I'll go back and read what I've written and 
I, I, for me, that, that's often a profound way for me to reconnect with God. And so we're all different. You know, maybe it, it is reading a book or studying the Bible or going to a prayer meeting. But, but when have you felt closest to God? Revisit, uh, because that's probably the way that you're wired. And, and so my prayer for us all this year is that we will thrive in every area of our life. And it begins with our relationship with God. Let me pray with you today. Dear God, I pray today that every one of us, whoever we are, whatever age or stage of life we're in, that we would thrive this year, not just survive, not just get through, but truly thrive. I pray for those listening to this message who have never experienced you, that maybe even today, maybe even now, maybe even this week, they'd become aware of you. They would wake up to your reality. For others that maybe it's been a while, Lord God, I I pray that uh, even in the dryness, uh, Jacob in a desert place suddenly discovered that you were there all along. And so I pray for those that uh, haven't encountered you for a while, that you would meet them, that you would reveal yourself to them. God, would you show up in our lives in new ways and would we wake up to the reality of your presence? And Lord, as we encounter you, uh, that will be overflowing in every other area of our life. I ask this today in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you and Happy New Year. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. For more information, visit markconnor.com.au.